Thank you all of you so much for being here. I'm really happy to have this chance to have a conversation about alcohol use and breast cancer. I'm going to begin by introducing our wonderful panelists. Uh, we have Dr. Srivima Vasanayagam, who is the doctor, uh, director of science. She is also a doctor uh, at Breast Cancer Prevention Partners. It's uh, a leading science-based nonprofit organization that does science-based environmental health policy and advocacy work. They're based in Northern California. We also have Dr. Peggy Reynolds, who is a cancer epidemiologist and professor at the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of California at San Francisco. She's also a member of the Helen Diller Family Comprehensive Cancer Center. We also have Dr. Ritu Aneja, uh, who's a professor of cancer biology and a distinguished university professor at the Department of Biology at Georgia State University. She's also director of the Molecular Basis of Disease Program, and she founded the International Consortium for Advancing Research on Triple Negative Breast Cancer. And we have Dr. Ramey Eck, who is past president and advocacy committee co-chair of the Maryland Public Health Association. She's also a former cancer research training award fellow at the National Cancer Institute and founder and principal of Sonrisa Solutions. I'm Dr. Priscilla Martinez. I'm a scientist at the Alcohol Research Group, a program of the Public Health Institute in Northern California. And I also had the very happy experience of being the principal investigator of the Drink Less for Your Breast program with Dr. Peggy Reynolds. So we are going to share what we know about alcohol and breast cancer. So we're going to begin by covering some of the evidence that shows that this link is real. Uh, get into some of the details of that link, uh, talk a little bit about the awareness of this link generally and what that means for alcohol policies, and then move a little bit beyond talking about alcohol use as a risk factor for breast cancer and talk a little bit about what we know about alcohol's impact uh, on when you get a breast cancer diagnosis. So to kick things off, let's start with Dr. Rasana Yagam. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what we know about the evidence showing that alcohol use uh, increases the risk of breast cancer? Hi, yeah, thank you, Priscilla, and thank you to everybody uh, and for inviting me here. Um, so at Breast Cancer Prevention Partners, we uh, we did an analysis of the scientific literature as part of our 2020 report, Paths to Prevention, and we looked at all of the peer-reviewed papers published on the link between alcohol and breast cancer up till uh, 2019. And what we found from that, that there is a large body of evidence with multiple studies which show that women who drink alcohol are more likely to be uh, diagnosed with breast cancer than those who do not, and that the more that you drink, the higher your risk. And now while some studies show that drinking any alcohol increases a woman's risk, others suggest that consuming over 10 grams of alcohol a day increases risk. And for, for a context, a, a five ounce glass of wine contains about 14 grams of alcohol. So even a, a small glass of wine, that's a small glass of wine by most people's standards, um, can significantly increase your risk by a small amount, but a significant increase. All right, so there's sounds like there's really clear evidence that this this is this is true. And so one of the questions that I often follows when we I think say that alcohol can increase a woman's risk of breast cancer is how does it do it? 
So what do we know about the physiological mechanisms that might be driving this risk? Yeah, no, that's really important to know. And so there's there's three main ways that we think that alcohol increases risk for breast cancer. First of all, when we drink alcohol, our body breaks it down into what we call metabolites. And most the, the, the most concerning one is uh, acetaldehyde, and that is an actual carcinogen. And acetaldehyde has been fought, found to cause cancer uh, in, in, in a variety of studies. So, so there's that carcinogen that alcohol is broken down to in our own bodies. Also, with breast cancer specifically, drinking alcohol also increases the estrogen levels in our body. And the higher levels of estrogen uh, in a woman have been linked to an increased risk of breast cancer. So there's these two mechanisms, the general carcinogen mechanism plus this uh, specific to breast cancer estrogen mechanism. And then there's also a concern that drinking alcohol makes it more difficult um, for you to absorb folate from your diet, and uh, which can lead to lower folate levels in people who drink uh, uh, drink a lot of alcohol. Uh, and folate is important for DNA synthesis and maintenance of DNA health. Um, and so low levels can increase DNA damage and also be a risk for cancer. So those are the three main mechanisms we think are at play here. That's great. Uh, really. Clearly, there are um, ways that this actually happens. Uh, So so when I talk about this with women, even after I'll say kind of everything you just said, they'll say, so is there any safe level of drinking? Like, can does even a little bit? I only drink occasionally. Does that increase my risk? Uh, So, uh, Dr. Reynolds, uh, I'd like you to answer that question, please. So after that very uh, exquisite explanation, I think you can see that there are a number of potential mechanisms of risk. And the data actually, just very briefly, I can say that the data suggests there is in fact no safe level. It's pretty well established that the risk increases with each unit of alcohol consumed per day. Um, This is across many, many studies. And um, although public health messaging that we get from uh, USDHHS, their definition of moderate drinking suggests that women should consume no more than a drink a day for a variety of public health concerns, the fact is for breast cancer risk, less is better. So it sounds like there isn't any quote unquote safe level but the relationship is such that at very low levels, the increase isn't huge, but it does increase as you increase your drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so a little bit more into some of the details of um, the link between alcohol use and breast cancer. Uh, Dr. Reynolds, can you tell us a little bit about what we know about the effect of when you drink alcohol. Um, as we know, the trajectory of alcohol use changes over the life course. Oftentimes it's higher in younger ages, kind of peaks uh, in your 20s and then sort of levels off as you get older, although trends are changing over time. But what do we know about um, the age of consumption and how that affects breast cancer risk? So we do know that for a number of cancer risk factors, particularly for chemical exposures and other exogenous exposures, there's been very high interest in identifying windows of susceptibility during the life course that may be especially important for cancer development. And as you say, 
Uh, certainly drinking patterns in women vary during the lifespan, and they could coincide with these important events when women's breast tissue changes in both structure and function, um, importantly during puberty, pregnancy, and menarche. So drinking at an early age can not only map to changes in breast tissue, but also other developmental and lifestyle challenges during this um, period of life. So um, uh, data from... Uh, so one of the more well-known studies, the Nurses Health Study, which is a large, a couple of large prospective studies. The Nurses Health Study 2, the second um, Nurses Health Study included younger women than the original study. They were ages 24 to 44 at entry reported um, an 11% increase in breast cancer risk for every 10 grams of alcohol intake per day between menarche and first pregnancy. Um, this was similar to the observed 8% increase in risk from reported earlier life consumption for 10 grams of alcohol from the um, Nurses Health Study 1, which was a study which recruited uh, women slightly older at baseline. And although this and other evidence suggests that starting drinking during adolescence and early adulthood may be associated with a higher risk, than starting at a later age, the literature on the window of higher susceptibility is actually a little bit mixed. So while younger women may be more vulnerable due to the sensitivity of breast tissue to external exposures during this, these important developmental windows, alcohol consumption appears to be a fairly equal opportunity exposure um, across types of alcoholic beverage, the age started drinking and menopausal status and other uh, life stages. So again, um, back to our original tenet, the evidence is that there is evidence for a linear dose response relationship to risk. So um, less is better. Right. More, less is better, more is worse. Yes. Uh, so, but it does sound like there if you're drinking at a very young age, that it there that is kind of a window of susceptibility um, for alcohol uh, use impacting the the development of breast cancer, um, which is I think something to remember. And you hit on something that I, I want to quickly follow up on uh, about type of alcoholic beverage because we've heard a lot about how you know, red wine is good for us. Uh, so for breast cancer risk, does the type of alcohol we drink matter? Uh, the evidence suggests that it doesn't. It's it's really it's it's really the alcoholic content, and uh, you know different beverages provide different amounts of alcoholic uh, content. Uh, so uh, there is this um, interesting hypothesis about resveratrol uh, in red wine, maybe protective, but um, again. The, the, the literature is pretty mixed on that. And the evidence, the more compelling evidence is that you know, it doesn't really matter when you start. It's really um, a dose response effect. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, alcohol is also equal opportunity in terms of what you're drinking. It's just <laughs> alcohol is alcohol to the body. That's pretty much what the evidence looks like. Great. Thank you. Uh, so thinking about risk. Uh, I'm going to move to Dr. Aneja. And, you know, so alcohol can increase our risk of breast cancer, but not everybody who drinks uh, is going to develop breast cancer. And so that opens up the question about 
who might be more vulnerable. And when we think about vulnerability, oftentimes we think about genetic predispositions. Uh, so Dr. Aneja, could you tell us a little bit about what we know about potential genetic uh, factors that might confer uh, more breast cancer risk in the context of alcohol use? Yeah, Priscilla. So, so far, I don't think there is any strong evidence that genetic factors can modify the association of alcohol consumption and breast cancer risk. So what I've seen is there's been a, a Dutch study that examined variations in uh, alcohol dehydrogenase gene. So it's called the ADH gene and it encodes for alcohol dehydrogenase, which is the enzyme responsible for metabolism of alcohol. And there were there and there were no um, associations that were found in the vari variants of this gene that could modify the risk between alcohol and breast cancer. And similarly, there was a there's a Danish study looking at uh, CYP1918, so cytochrome P450 family member, and it is called aromatase, and it's a it's a protein, it's an enzyme that is also known as estrogen synthase, which means it's responsible for the synthesis of estrogen. And we, they have seen that variants of that enzyme also do not modulate the risk, which is good news in a way. And, uh, and among women with BRCA1, BRCA1, and uh, BRCA2 mutations that are known generally to elevate the risk of breast cancer, there is uh, no studies that show that alcohol consumption is modifying that risk either. So, so far, the evidence is not very strong in this space. That's really interesting because I think people think of breast cancer and they think of genetic risk kind of right away and uh, that alcohol doesn't modify or that having particular genetic factors doesn't modify the association between alcohol and breast cancer is, is interesting or that we yes, don't maybe know everything yet. Yes. And it's likely that we do not fully know everything because of the way, and there are so many caveats in these studies, because depending upon have they looked at the trajectory of drinking uh, patterns or the woman's history of drinking, because as you know, we have heard from other panelists that drinking at very young age, which is in the teens when the menstruation starts and the breast tissue is really vulnerable, that's when the influence is the is much higher. And there's been a very recent 2021 study I was looking at from Spain, and uh, they have done some trajectory modeling and have seen that the you know, early consumption during early adolescent is has the greater risk. More to learn, it sounds like. Uh, so another aspect of the risk relationship I'd like to touch on before talking a little bit about awareness is um, that breast cancer, as you know, isn't a homogenous disease. So there's all kinds of subtypes. So does alcohol, drinking alcohol, increase the risk of any particular breast cancer subtype, or is it the same for all of them? Very good question. And the short answer it is it does. But the jury is still out as the data is inconsistent. And, you know, to talk about this, um, talk about breast cancer subtypes and which ones are more uh, 
women are more susceptible to have one versus the other, you know, it's useful to know, as you said, that breast cancer is not a single beast. It is a very heterogeneous disease. It is essentially a grab bag of many different kinds of breast cancers. And for therapeutic decision-making in the clinic, it is characterized by three biomarkers. And let's just think of them as tags or labels present on a breast cancer cell. And they are ER, which is the estrogen receptor, PR, progesterone receptor, and HER2, which is the human epidermal growth factor receptor too. And we have a fourth hidden category, which lacks all these three tags. And that is the, what is the triple negative breast cancer. And, uh, and it is known by what it lacks rather than what it has. So when you don't have these three tags, that's the triple negative breast cancer. And as we know, that's the most aggressive with no targeted therapies. Chemotherapy is the mainstay. And it also disproportionate, and that's the one which is also disproportionately affects Black women at a younger age. So there are some studies that are clearly pointing that alcohol consumption increases the risk of hormone-positive cancers, which are ERPR positive, compared to those which are not, compared to the ER negative disease. For example, you know, the EPIC study, which was a study in 360,000 women from Europe, across, you know, they recruited patients, uh, uh, they recruited women uh, across 10 different, 10 European countries, and it reported a risk, increased risk of ER positive cancer compared to ER negative. And this was, this finding was also confirmed in the 2018 meta-analysis report from WCRF and the AICR, you know, the American Institute of Cancer Research Collaboration. And, and, they also found this a similar finding that ER positive risk was higher, but the risk was more pronounced in their study in postmenopausal women. And then there's another very interesting study uh, coming out of the AMBER consortium, which is a consortium of African American uh, African American women, and there they found that the risk for triple negative was higher in that study. In the context of alcohol Alcohol use. consumption, yes. Okay. Yes. So alcohol consumption increased the risk of triple negative disease in that AMBER study. But we have the Million Women study from Europe, from UK, and as well as another study, um, which is a pooled analysis of 20 cohorts, which also has more than a million women and they did not find any association with subtype. Hmm. So that's how it feels like the data is inconsistent. But I, again, um, feel like, you know, there's so many variations and if confounding variables and what was considered and what was not depending upon the study design. Right. So there's the suggestion that it's associated with hormone positive yeah. and triple mm -hmm. negative, but we're not entirely sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. That's very right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, so let's, so, okay, so clearly we, there's a lot that we know, there's still some stuff we need to figure out, but it's really clear that alcohol increases the risk of breast cancer. What do we know about the awareness of this? Like who, like clearly we know about it, uh, but the general public, uh, I'd like to talk and move now to like about awareness of this link. So uh, Dr. Reynolds, uh, I, I'd like to hear what you think about what the state of public awareness is of the link between alcohol use and breast cancer. 
well, I think it's pretty interesting that this is um, this is something that's been evaluated in the scientific literature for quite a number of years. Um, there's a very uh, long history of evidence of increased risk, and yet it's um, it's something that uh, few women really seem to be aware of. Um, so uh, uh, there are a number of surveys that have been conducted. There was a U.S. national survey of young women uh, reported a few years back that found that 25% of women, which is actually more than I might have expected, reported awareness of alcohol as a risk factor for breast cancer. And this contrasts with 88% being aware of family history as a risk factor. So there are some, there um. Uh, this, because it's the most common cancer in women, I think there is some public awareness about some risk factors for the disease. Um, similar to this study, um, uh, uh, there was a British survey from the same time period that reported 18% um, awareness for a link between alcohol and breast cancer, with an only slightly higher reported awareness of 30% in a region of the country that had an ongoing media campaign about the risk relationship. Um, this suggested by the authors that population awareness can be somewhat influenced by social marketing. And yet it's interesting that the increase in awareness isn't as much as you might have expected. Um, there's actually an extensive literature on this with pretty much the same conclusions about limited awareness over time and from several countries. Um, there was an interesting uh, pre and post um, survey uh, from a Danish uh, mass media campaign um, uh, 2017 and 2018 that reported not only increased awareness, but also some increased support for minimum unit pricing, a ban on alcohol advertising, and mandatory nutrition labeling. Um, another, from another point of view, there's a very recent study from Southern California as part of the UC uh, Athena cohort study that reported that even among women with knowledge of this as a risk factor, um, the women in that study who were more affluent um, and older, which is the subgroup uh, generally at higher risk of breast cancer, expressed unwillingness to modify behavior and to reduce intake. So, there's an adage that knowledge is power, uh, but in this case, there may be opportunities for population and public policy intervention. It appears that it are very complicated. So I think we still have much to learn. And um, I have to say the very recent work of you and your group on the Drink Less for Your Breast campaign uh, may offer some additional insights. So you may want to comment on that as well. Yes, the study showing that awareness is so low uh, particularly among young women. Um, I think you were referring to the Kushalani paper that or study that showed that 25% of women knew about the risk, but that means that 75% don't. And these, uh, if I recall, it was among women between the ages of 15 and 44. So this is kind of yeah. prime age for... That's a very steady. And a, actually the other interesting factor in that is that um, the current drinkers in that study, we're less likely to believe it to be a risk factor. Yes. Yes. So that was a huge motivator for the Drink Less for Your Breast social media campaign, which really, which is ongoing. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, and the goal really solely was to raise awareness. It, it's not about lowering consumption. We just want to get the message out there because general awareness is indeed 
uh, so low. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Peggy. I would like to move a little bit to the, I want to say pink elephant, but I think we all know it's there. And the alcohol industry and what role the alcohol industry has played in our general awareness of the link between alcohol use and breast cancer. So uh, Dr. Eck, could you comment on, um, could, could you comment on that? Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate being here. It's, it's great to be in the company of uh, such wonderfully informed folks and to be able to talk about this stuff so openly and it's a really complicated association, as you've seen here, and probably from what you as the audience know in your background, there's been some mixed messaging, the, the um, heart health was already brought up, the lowest risk being at zero level of consumption. We've been able to talk about this very easily here for the last half an hour or so amongst ourselves, but there is this question about why is that message not being translated out into the general population? Why is it not catching on? Why is it not more popular that we know about this, especially since... We know that almost uh, 50% of uh, cancer risk is attributable to modifiable behaviors. And so when I first went to National Cancer Institute, that was one of the most uh, important things that I learned literally on day one is that there is a lot of things that we have control over in our cancer risk, because a lot of times you can feel helpless, you can feel out of control, you can feel like this is something that has been put upon. However, these are things that we actually have control over in our own lives to some degree. And alcohol is the third largest risk. So that is something that that definitely should be a larger part of a message um, across the country within our clinician uh, neighborhoods, uh, community neighborhoods, and yet it's not. So you asked me specifically about the industry, and um, you also brought the word pink into it. So I'll lead off right here. There's a term called pink washing, and it's a play on the term uh, whitewashing. And it was first used by Breast Cancer Action uh, um, probably about 20 years ago. Uh, it was an organization that's focused on social environmental justice and the fight against breast cancer. And this is really used uh, as a critique on companies that are using the pink ribbon, um, you know, whether it's here, whether it's on their marketing materials, whether it's on the product itself, though they're using that pink ribbon on their part product and to market the product, but it is a product that is actually associated with um, cancer. So something that causes cancer, it's associated with cancer. So when we see this, you probably had a number of examples pop into your mind. We just had Breast Cancer Awareness Month uh, in October, and oftentimes you will see bottles of alcohol or liquor, beer, wine, and they are either pink, they're pink in color, the labels may be pink, the ribbon may be prominent, uh, or it may be a combination of all those types of things. And Sometimes there's a suggestion that if you buy this product, there may be money donated towards some sort of charity, uh, or it just may be we're doing this for a sense of awareness and there may not be no money donated to charity. Um, sometimes that is not necessarily clear. And so that's part of the problem. So the industry, the alcohol industry has done uh, a number of things. There's three kind of main tactics that have been looked at in the research. There's a number of folks out of um, Australia who have looked at this. And uh, one of them is just denial or omission. So if I don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. So let's focus on other things. Uh, number two is distortion. So we may mention there's some sort of risk, but when we were really digging into this earlier about what is the level of risk, how does it work, what's the dose relationship, we're just going to pass all over that and we're not going to really talk about the specifics. 
Um, so maybe mitigating that kind of risk that's actually out there. And the other thing is distraction. And this is a really big one. And this is probably the easiest one to do where we say, hey, there are so many things that cause cancer. Alcohol really is just this really teeny tiny part of it that you don't even need to worry about. And so when you have those three things that are, are stacked together and the industry is very good at doing this and we have this documented in the research, um, you can go out there and look at it and find it yourself. Uh, those things are really harmful to the messaging because not only would we have some mixed messaging already, and the information we're getting is very complicated to understand in this relationship. But then we have this mixed uh, messaging coming out of the industry itself, which is huge and everywhere with its advertising and its marketing. And so there could, this could lead to some confusion in the general population. Thank you. And so what does this mean for, what does, do you think then awareness about this link might mean for alcohol policies, like ones that we know can help reduce consumption overall, like increasing taxes or um, reducing availability. Does What do you know about how general awareness impacts support for those kinds of policies? Yeah. So the Dr. Reynolds gave us a great introduction to some of that already, uh, looking at some of the work again out of Australia and the UK. Um, and, and most recently, when I was at National Cancer Institute, I was working with a team there and there's a paper just now in press coming out showing that those who have a greater awareness of the link between alcohol and care, cancer have a greater support for alcohol policies sort of in general. Um, the ones that we looked at at NCI were related to um, uh, nutrition labels on, uh, the, on the alcohol bottles themselves. Um, and so that was one that you would think would be very easy to do, but is it necessarily something that has gained a lot of uh, traction? Uh, what we know is directly it, are these policies directly related to a reduction in either cancer risk or cancer mortality? That's a very difficult question because we need long-term studies to see that because cancer is a very long process. However, some of the initial um, studies that we have coming out, one of them coming out of Boston University, shows that the more stringent your alcohol-related policies are, there is an association with lower risk of cancer and they see a 10% increase um, in their stringency of those policies leads to reduction in um, also in risk and mortality. So these are some of the initial studies that are coming out. Again, these are associations, you know, cross-cutting. Cross, um, cross They're not longitudinal, but we do have those things that are in the work and getting started on that will show us these associations and if they play out in the long term. Now, that being said, what we do know is what do alcohol policies, stronger alcohol policies do in general? Those reduce the consumption in the overall population, which re reduces our risk to any number of things, whether acute processes um, like drink driving and, or longer term processes like um, uh, cancer. So it reduces our risk in the population overall. So there should we should see if it plays out in these other ways that it has, we should see that there would be an association in the long term with uh, reduction in cancer risk. For that study that you mentioned looking at uh, stringency of policies and I forget if you said cancer risk or mortality, but was that for all cancers or was for that breast cancer in particular? So to that question, uh, yes. So with every subtype that they looked at, it was uh, associated with a lower association in mortality. Fair enough. And I think this might be an interesting point for our, our audience. Also, we're talking very specifically about the link between alcohol use and breast cancer, but alcohol is causally associated with a total of seven cancers. Thank you so much, Remy. Um, so let's 
move on a little bit with a bit of time that we have left to talk about what we know about alcohol's impact in the presence of breast cancer. Because now we've been talking about alcohol leading up to it. We've been talking about you know the primary prevention side. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we know about what happens in the context of a breast cancer diagnosis. So, um, Dr. Aneja, uh, can you tell us what we know about alcohol use either before or after a breast cancer diagnosis and its association with the risk of either recurrence or mortality from uh, breast cancer? Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting question and it's an area of active investigation at the moment. Yeah. And as we know that the most uh, research uh, of alcohol and breast cancer has focused on the risk of incidence and it is not yet very clear how a woman's drinking history or the trajectory of drinking, if you will, during her lifetime impacts her course of disease after a diagnosis. There's just a few uh, studies in this space and you know the data again is not very consistent, but uh, there are some uh, studies that are compelling. And one of them is uh, the LACE study, which is Life After Ca Cancer Epidemiology Study. And it looked at a cohort of about 2,000 women that were recruited from the Kaiser Permanente Northern California Registry that reported that consumption of about more than three or four drinks per week increases the risk of breast cancer reoccurrence by 30%, as well increases the risk of breast cancer mortality by 50%. And this risk was even more pronounced in postmenopausal and obese women. And there's another very compelling study uh, from out of the Fred Hutch Cancer Center, and that uh, primarily focuses on a cohort of 17,000 women with hormone positive, that's the ER positive disease. And they, uh, you know, from that 17,000 cohort uh, of ER positive women, the, they selected or maybe the eligibility criteria was able to put together a cohort of about 500 women that had had uh, contralateral breast cancer, which means the cancer in the other breast. And what they found was alcohol consumption of seven or more drinks per week increases the risk of contralateral breast cancer by 90%. 90%. And this risk was... Um, higher. And of course, this uh, risk was higher when uh, the first breast cancer, the primary breast cancer was ER positive. So wow. that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and But there are a few studies, like uh, there was a small study uh, from the Moffitt Cancer Center, which did not uh, see any association with disease-free survival and uh, 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 in an adjuvant setting. Uh, uh, for alcohol consumption, but the you know the limitations of these studies are that they have only considered uh, uh, drinking uh, during twelve month preceding di diagnosis. So there are you know caveats like that as to when the drinking patterns were considered, and uh, um, also are we looking at uh, post diagnosis drinking, and uh, because you know drinking habits change. And, uh, you know, people just get scared and they think that if they stop now, then 
everything is going to be written off. So, so those kind of behavioral changes are also important to capture. And then many of these studies haven't taken into account subtype, which is very important. And another caveat that I feel is treatment information, because treatments are also so, and some are considering all-cause mortality, which is mortality from several non-breast cancer outcomes. So there's a lot of players, uh, variables that uh, um, have to be accounted for a robust, uh, you know, a, a clear answer here. Of course, there's there's a lot going on. You mentioned treatment. Do we know about how alcohol use may interact with treatment uh, yes. among women with breast cancer? Yes, a very good question, but we have no information about that. Wow. I know, and that's my area of interest. And I'm designing some studies in animals that are looking at uh, whether, Great. <laughs> uh, treatment uh, efficacy is reduced if they are consuming alcohol. So we're feeding my alcohol to mice and trying to see if uh, we have any answers there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, I, that's it seems so relevant because that that leads me into my next question. You know, what do we what do we say to our breast cancer patients when they come in with a diagnosis and whether or not they're going to go into treatment? What do we tell them about drinking at this time? You know, I, I and I, I think it's a really important point that a lot of these studies are limited by not looking at the life course of drinking because we know like we talked about earlier, the window of susceptibility and how that's often at a younger age. And so that can carry forward with us. But what are, what are we telling them when they are in clinic? Yeah, from what I know among my teams and the clinicians and the oncologists and the surgeons, there are no current guidelines about how we talk to patients about their, about alcohol consumption. There are no you know, yeah, guidelines so far. Yeah, another wow. Um, and I think that that touches on the kind of overall awareness and conversation. We're not really having conversations about this in all these areas that we could. Um, for the drink less, uh, for your dress campaign, for your breast campaign, geez. Um, uh, you know, in the preparation for it, we did a survey assessing um kind of health literacy and how our young women got health information because we thought that that would inform how we do our campaign. And they, I think it was over 50, well over 50% reported that if they wanted to learn information about alcohol use and breast cancer, that they would go to their healthcare provider. And this was from women all over California. And I thought, oh my God, providers have a real opportunity here to impart this information to their patients. and. Um, it sounds like developing some guidelines, some resources for them on how to do that would be really, really vital. So uh, to end our uh, time together and this really interesting conversation, uh, I'd like to, for each of our panelists to say a one-line take-home message uh, for our uh, audience Um to take away from this this talk. So I'll start with uh, Dr. Basana Yaga. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I always like to end with a 
more of a positive note. So I, I, I do think like the more alcohol you drink, the higher risk of breast cancer. But that also means the less you drink, you can lower your risk. And so even though not drinking at all would be best, any reduction in alcohol consumption will decrease your risk of breast cancer. So try and moderate as much as possible. Thank you. And I will also point out that that is part of the premise of our drink less campaign. We're saying drink less for your breast, not don't drink, uh, mm-hmm. because we recognize the reality that uh, two realities. One, women drink alcohol and it's part of our uh, culture. And two, that drinking less does meaningfully uh, decrease your risk of breast cancer. Uh, thank you. Uh, Dr. Reynolds? Well, maybe this isn't very original, uh, but um, since this is one of only a very few established risk factors for breast cancer that is under individual control, and the message is pretty clear that for this, uh, not to mention other health outcomes, less is better. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Aneja? Yeah, so mine is similar, you know, bumps, bumps breast cancer risk. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like the BBB, booze, bumps, breast cancer risk, and every drink matters. So less is better. <laughs> Brilliant. Dr. Eck? I like going last because sometimes it's easier just to say ditto. <laughs> There's <laughs> all these things said before me. But uh, the one thing I really focus on is that we do have some control here. Uh, you're not left feeling helpless and both for as an individual, you have some control over this, just knowing about it, I think can give you a little bit more control and then making a plan to do something about it if you think you might want to. Uh, But then also at at the higher level, the community level, at the state level, at the the population level, we do have these interventions uh, that have a very broad reaching effect, not on other types of alcohol related harm, but very specifically uh, can affect our risk of breast cancer. So we're not left feeling helpless. We do have things that we can do now and more as the research progresses. Wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this with me, all of you. Uh, I know all of you personally and professionally, so um, this was just a real treat for me to get to spend time with you. And I hope that for uh, the audience that this was useful and informative and uh, drink less for your breasts. Thanks, everyone.